Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varley, founder and CEO of Project Purple, and today we're back in the podcast studio and I've got a special guest for our audience today, someone who uh, has been part of the Project Purple community here, not here in Connecticut, but from a macro perspective for quite some time, coming to us all the way from Grand Haven, Michigan, a beautiful part of the country I hope to get to at one point in in my life because I've seen pictures. You guys are right on the lake. It's beautiful out there. But Cassie Rubley, the co-owner of Train Grand Haven, welcome to the Project Purple Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So um, full disclosure, We always say that, but it's always full disclosure here on the Project Purple podcast. We just had your sister, Kara, on the Project Purple podcast. Your family's been impacted by the disease. You guys have been amazing resource helping us raise awareness in the Western Michigan area for the last couple of years. And so, um, you know, you and I have known each other, I think now for almost, is it four years? I think it's definitely three. Participated or hosted... Uh, a pushball for pancreatic cancer for the past four years, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, you know, it's great. You know, as we were just talking for quite some time before we hit record, the last like 18 months of this pandemic have seen like, have seemed like three years. So now just everything gets crunched together and it's kind of hard to like, think about like how long has it been? Because it's like been so long since We've had these massive, uh, or not massive, but, you know, these events where we're gathering and, and, you know, the pandemic has certainly impacted that. So it's just kind of crazy how time just seems to fly so fast, but then seems so far. So uh, it's just wild. So for our audience listening at home, I know we've given a little bit of a tease here in terms of your background and your involvement. This is your opportunity to share your involvement, your story how you got here today. And I I always preface this uh, before I hand the mic over to our guests and saying, you know, you can go as far back as you want and then we go from there. So with that, the mic is yours. Um, So my name is Cassie Rubley. Um, Just to give a little bit of my educational background. um, I achieved my bachelor of science from Central Michigan University. I went on to um, complete my master's in occupational therapy um, at Davenport University. Um, And I thought life was taking one course. My goal was to be an occupational therapist in the school setting. Um, And some big ideas started coming up, some opportunities started to arise. And um, my boyfriend and I ended up opening our own CrossFit facility in Grand Haven, Michigan. Um, The two of us have been doing CrossFit, oh, 2013, 2014, as I believe when we around the time that we both started. Um, and I've coached at a number of gyms. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, unless you pursue gym ownership, coaching is not necessarily something that can probably carry a person throughout their entire lifetime, um, as a full-time career. So, um, we wanted to continue to grow, um, in the world of CrossFit. So, you know, we started, planning and preparing. And we're really fortunate that we were able to pursue our, our dream of opening up a facility. And we opened our doors in January of 2018. Um, currently, I believe we have, you know, around 80, 85 members at this time. Um, and so, yeah, we're just really fortunate to be able to, you know, do something that we really truly enjoy every day. 
Awesome. Awesome. And then how, how did you get introduced to Project Purple? Because I don't think I've ever really heard the story. I mean, I know when I talked to your sister, you know, we had her on, you know, it was really the involvement of the push-pull and through you. But how did you find us? Like, what, I, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. Um, so previously I'd been coaching at um, another facility and I believe that the owner was down at Wadapalooza and found you guys at a booth and we started talking. It was around this time that my mom had been diagnosed. Um, so, you know, by all means, it was something that I wanted to get involved in, you know, to, you know, have a system of support to honor what she was going through. Um, you know, and then from every year forward there, um, I was either a participant, you know, or for the past two years was able to host, um, you know, my own event at our, uh, current facility. Awesome. It's, it's, I say awesome in the sense that, you know, if you, if you know, you know, when I, when I say this, like, you know, the, the travel, the grind, that we do, like going to Wadapalooza, which is a big CrossFit event every year. It's held in Miami in the in the wintertime, which just sounds great, right? Like Miami, January, you know, for people in that Northern hemisphere of the United States, when it's 20 degrees, going to 80 degrees and sun yeah. is, a, mm -hmm. is a, like a godsend, right? So, uh, but it's so much work. It's so much work. And, and in my awesome comment in the sense like, and I've always said this, like we, we go to do these things and you know, yeah. Okay. So it's Miami, it's the winter time. Um, but you know, they're long days. Like we set up at like, we're up, you know, early to work out because it's not like, you know, while Wadapalooza is going, if you're a vendor, uh, you know, at the event, like you're working, <laughs> you're there yeah. from when the doors open to when the doors close and probably a little bit after just to clean up and everything. And, you know, anyone who's in that, any line of work that does these things gets this is like, you know, those days are long, you're running on caffeine, uh, yep. you know, you have lots to get up. <laughs> lots of people. <laughs> lots of people. You have to have that smile face, that game face on the whole time. Um, yep. and you deal with all, especially in Miami, you deal with all walks of life and some very interesting yeah. people. Um, you know, so it's just awesome to know that the hard work pays off, right? Because yep. here we are. Yeah. We're in Miami. The weather's nice, but there's been times when we've been at Wadapalooza where it's been pouring rain and you're sitting, you know, <laughs> in, in you're standing, I should say, not even sitting in, you know, two inches of water because of a flash flood coming through your booth, you know, but it all is worth it. As I have said in the past, you know, if we can always connect with one person and to know that, you know, we connected, you know, with you and your family through that involvement at Wadapalooza is just awesome because that makes all that hard work, um, those long days, um, you know, so worth the opportunity to connect and get to bring families together that are impacted by this disease and hopefully put something positive in, in your, in your life and in your family's life during that time. So it's just awesome to hear that. So thanks for sharing that with our audience. And I, I, I get, as you can tell, uh, I, I get really excited when I hear these stories because, again, it validates the work that we do in it and, and the reason why we go to these events. Certainly does. So let's talk a little bit about your mom. Um, yeah. So when was your mom diagnosed? My mom was diagnosed in 2017. Um, she has uh, a bit of an unusual story. You know, my, uh, my sister did share on this. 
Um, so she was having what she thought were um, allergic reactions to specific foods. And um, so she, you know, made an appointment with the doctor. Um, they determined that she had a gallstone. Um, and then upon further examination, they did find um, what was a, a tumor at the head of her pancreas. Um, honestly, everything was a whirlwind um, from that point moving forward. I very distinctly remember that difficult um, phone call when my dad um, told me what was going on. Um, so because she was um, late stage one, early stage two, they were able to perform a, a Whipple procedure. Um, and that was followed by several rounds of chemo and radiation. And I, you know, I distinctly remember her saying that surgery was, you know, a piece of cake um, in comparison to the chemotherapy and the radiation. Um, you know, after her treatments were done, she would have her regular appointments to, you know, determine where her tumor markers were at. Um, things went uphill for a short while. Um, and, you know, very quickly thereafter, she started to decline. Um, her, she passed September 3rd, 2019. And, uh, you know, toward the end of her life, we made the difficult decision to put her on hospice and, you know, her life expectancy, you know, they had said to us, you know, approximately, you know, a few days to a week. And she um, remained on hospice for about a month. And so my mom, um, she really took uh, a lot of pride in her children and in my sister and I, and I really truly believe that she just kept holding on um, for us. She was a person that always put others before herself, whether they deserved it or not. Now, when your mom was diagnosed, she was that your parents were living down south, and then did she move back up? I think you remember yep. just from your sister's story. Yep my so my dad's job uh, forced him to relocate to North Carolina. Um, leading up to that, he was I mean weekly he was flying out to North Carolina, and eventually, you know they decided that he needed to move out there um, rather than travel on a regular basis. And it was right around the time that they moved back from North Carolina. Um, it was always my mom's uh, dream to live somewhere in Northern Michigan. So they ended up in Cedar, Michigan, which is a tiny little town um, on an inland lake uh, called Little Travers Lake. So, um, it warms my heart knowing that the last couple of years of her life, um, she was able to spend in such a beautiful place, which is where she always wanted to be. Um, so I do think that that brought for her some peace of mind. And I know even on our difficult visits being somewhere um, just so beautiful and relaxing, um, I think that helped all of us to some degree. That's pretty special. Is it just you and your sister? Yes. Yep. So, so 
going through that experience, um, is there any advice that you could give maybe to someone listening at home that has a parent that has been diagnosed or is going through a very similar path? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big thing is to really focus on honoring your grief. Um, because I think as a society, we just don't know how to handle it sometimes. And, you know, I can't count how many times somebody has brought up, you know, something to do with my mom, which elicits a very emotional response. And then it's followed by an apology. I'm sorry for making you cry. I'm, you know, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. And I think it's so important that we talk about the person that we miss. We tell happy stories, sad stories that we, you know, to me, that's what keeps my mom alive is honoring her through stories, you know, both happy memories, sad memories, whatever they may be. Um, and, you know, for me, Project Purple has given me the opportunity to honor my mom um, and to share her story um, because it doesn't, you know, it it helps, even if it's the same thing and again and again, it helps to tell the story um, and to share that with others that, um, you know, you love and trust. And I think also just a system of support Project Purple has offered for me because losing a parent and specifically as a young woman, losing a mother puts you in a very unique category. You know, I don't have a handful of friends who also are my age who have lost their mom and it can feel very very um isolating and lonely so to be able to be part of some uh you know something with a greater purpose and to you know not only honor my mom but all those who are currently battling or have lost their battle with pancreatic cancer i think it's just it helps me feel like i'm making a difference when you said honoring your grief can you can you explain that a little bit Sure. Um, I think that, you know, going back to how our culture treats grief, I think we treat it like a process. You know, you go through these steps and in six months you're cured. And, you know, as someone that is grieving and I believe that I will be grieving all the rest of the days of my life. Um, I think it's, it's honoring the good days, the bad days, you know, recognizing um, and discussing those feelings, whether it's talking to a close friend or family member or journaling, um, just honoring every emotion that is associated, you know, for me specifically with the loss of a mother. And, you know, it can feel sometimes so visceral, just the, the feelings that you can experience Um, and those for me are ever changing. You know, I have good weeks, bad weeks, good months, bad months. It's just, I suppose, honoring how I'm genuinely feeling deep down inside regarding the loss of my mom. What you just said is so powerful. And and first of all, I appreciate you being honest in saying that. And I think there's, um, there's a stigma you know, I mean, mental health doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. 
And I think there's also this thing with mental health. When when people hear the word mental health, they think, oh, someone in a straitjacket, someone who can't control their emotions or regulate mm -hmm. or anything along those lines. I think people, we think in extremes, right? And, and right now, society as a whole, I, I guess it might be driven by media or, or certain individuals, you know, thinks of extremes, right? Mm -hmm. As an example. And I'm not trying to... Um, take away anything from the current pandemic, but you know, there's, there's this fear, right? If you get COVID, you are going to die. That's mm -hmm. what it, that's what it feels like. Right. Yeah. So, and, and the example, and, and I'm not saying that COVID is in a serious thing and, and we should take it very, very seriously, but with mental health, people, I think hear mental health and they feel, Oh, something must be wrong with you. Yeah. Something's not right. There's that stigma, right? And I, and I feel like with grief, that's part of your mental well-being. And, and the point here is, I guess I, I'm hopefully getting across, is that it's okay to feel this way, to mm -hmm. be able to process this and recognize it, as you said, um, and, and deal with that. That's a, that's a real situation. I, I think there's like this stigma around that, you know, that... You, you can't deal with it or you shouldn't deal with it or you shouldn't talk about it. And, and that's a very, like, I think that's a very, um, that's a bad thought, right? And that's a bad place to put people in because I think as society, just like anything that we, uh, that we have challenges with, the best way to, to get around those challenges, talk about it, right? And to have constructive discussions about it, recognize it and how do we get better and how can we work through these things versus just bottling them up or not talking about them and, and just like kind of leaving them by the wayside, you know, for yourself to deal with it and feel like you're alone and feel like you, you're, you're, something's wrong with you. No, there's nothing not, there's nothing wrong with you. This is perfectly normal. But as a society, I think we kind of shun these conversations. Yeah, they're hard conversations, just like a lot of conversations <laughs> are hard conversations, right? But that's so powerful to be able to recognize that and process it. So, I, I hear you and, and that's so awesome um, that we're on this topic. And, and I just, I don't want to, I, I have another question um, for you. You said like processing it and recognizing it. it, it can you share with the audience listening at home? Is, is there a go-to that you have? Um, you know, is there a friend? You mentioned journaling. I love journaling and I've got a journal here in my office. Uh, I've got many journals. Um, but there's one that when I, when I feel kind of down and out, like I'll go to it and I'll just write and it just something that makes me feel good. And I, I don't even know what I'm writing half the time, but it just like makes me feel better after I've done that. Right. But is there something that you can share? Maybe that's like worked for you, uh, that potentially may be helpful for our audience listening at home. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just speaking on journaling and reading, there's one, uh, particular, author that's really resonated with me. And I believe that my sister introduced me initially. Um, her book is called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. The author is Megan Devine. Um, and she does, she, she, she lost her husband. She shares that story. Um, it's a great book because you don't necessarily need it to read it from start to finish. You could, you know, open up the index and, you know, flip to a chapter that at that moment in time um, might be, you know, might resonate or might feel healing. Um, she also has a grief journal, um, that is 
uh, not just like self-directed, it's got resources and activities and little brain breaks in there. And um, so I know that for my sister, myself, also my dad, um, that author has been really helpful for us. Um, I do think that there are useful tools on social media. There are some that I've discovered on Instagram, you know, whether it's, you know, simple quotes or things that are relatable to, you know, the way that I'm feeling at that moment in time. Um, and another huge one for me is exercise. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm the owner of a, uh, my boyfriend and I own a CrossFit facility in Grand Haven here. And, you know, for me, I, I, one time I remember someone asking me like, how do you, how do you stay tough in workouts? And I mean, truly, um, I think about my mom, um, I think about, um, what she went through with, you know, minimal to no complaining and it really, um, I'm sorry. It's okay. It really puts things into perspective. Um, you know, and so taking care of my body and taking care of my health is, you know, sometimes, you know, we only have one, our body is the only place we have to live in. And so to, you know, not only take care of myself, but to honor her through that is very important to me. And um, the community that we've built at the gym has been, you know, a, a huge system of support for me as well. So um, fitness um, in, it has really um, helped me with the grief process. And, you know, if you've ever done a CrossFit workout before, it's hard to think about anything else when you're in the middle of 50 burpees. So um, that's been a really great outlet for me, the workouts themselves and just the amazing community that I'm able to be a part of every day. I like your analogy, the 50 burpees. Yeah. Cause there's not much, uh, I, I was giggling there because yeah, that that's my struggle with CrossFit is that I, I, I can't think in between the exercise because yeah. I'm worried about it's just awful. <laughs> That's I, I I've got to laugh uh, because it, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Let's talk about the gym and the community. So, mm -hmm. were you first before we go there? Were you always pretty active? Were you active in high school? Were you active growing up? And then you know you found CrossFit and just like fell in love with it. Or what, what was life like? You know, back when you were in high school and were you active prior to uh, CrossFit? Yeah. Um, so I know my sister shared on her artistic abilities, which I got zero of those. <laughs> um, so, you know, art was more of her outlet. I was a competitive gymnast for about seven years. So, you know, as I said earlier, my mom put her children and her family always and forever before herself. And um, so many for many, many years, this was starting when I was in elementary school. The, the gym that I was uh, a part of was out in Kentwood. So just for reference from where, you know, from Grand Haven area, you're talking about on a snowy day, you know, a, an, an hour long drive, if not more. 
Um, so my mom would pick me up early from school. She would drive me out to Kentwood, Michigan. I would practice for four or five hours. She would drive me home. Um, my gymnastics career ended in, in kind of like middle school. Um, from there, I played some other sports. There was nothing that I was quite as, um, passionate about, I suppose, Um, and then I continued, you know, in college, I would go to the gym, do my own workouts. I started hearing this word CrossFit around. Um, I worked with a personal trainer for a while saying like, I'd like to do some CrossFit S workouts. Um, and then it was just a friend. I went, you know, I think, you know, they do the free friend Fridays. I went to a free friend workout and I was just, um, hooked beyond that point. Um, and so it's pretty much been, you know, like I said, that was probably, I think that was 2014. And so just from there forward, I, um, you know, I really haven't ventured into anything else. I, I really enjoy it. I think that, you know, every CrossFitter, you start and you think I'm going to the CrossFit games and really at the end of the day, um, and I'm learning this more as a gym owner too, is it's, it's much more than that. Um, it's not being the strongest and the fastest and the best athlete. It's, you know, taking care of your overall health. And now, um, you know, for myself and for my boyfriend, having the opportunity to make a difference in other people's lives and to build a community um, of people with all different backgrounds, all different ages, abilities, you know, CrossFit is universally scalable. And, you know, it can be hard to believe until you come and take your first class, but every person that walks through the door, um, you know, will fit into our class structure. Everything can be, can be scaled and can be modified. And, um, so, so many things that I love about it. Yeah. It's, I mean, as we said before, uh, we hit record, I, I was doing CrossFit pretty religiously, uh, for a couple of years until I got back into the running, but, uh, it's great because, you know, I think to your point, you know, I think people feel, you know, well, the person who's not involved in, in, in CrossFit, here's CrossFit and they know about the games that just happened. Right. And they look at those professional athletes, but that's the same as, you know, marathoning. You look at the marathon and you look at those professional athletes and not everyone's at that level, <laughs> not yeah, even close. Um, and, and the same is said with CrossFit. Right. And so uh, that's the great aspect about it. What has, and now, you know, I know what you started, you got involved with the other gym, you had the push pull event there, but then to be your own owner and, you know, this is, you know, you're, you're paying the bills, it's your building, it's your facility, um, you know, your gym. What has that meant, you know, to have and to be able to host the push-pull event? And I know just recently, you know, we were a sponsor of your uh, your competition here uh, at your gym there. W what has that meant to you, um, you know, and being able to bring that to your community. And I know you've done other things cause you did the burpee challenge. I mean, we got back on burpees yeah. here. You did the burpee challenge last year. You've got a good community that I can convince people to do burpees with me over zoom for an hour. <laughs> yeah. That was nuts. What, what is that? Yeah. What, what have those things meant to you and, and how has that benefited your community? Mm -hmm. Um, so first of all, I think that, you know, I've, kind of since losing my mom, I'm pretty much an open book about a lot of things. Um, because just going back to the discussion on mental health, I think it's so important to number one, have people that you can talk to in a safe space and to tell people if you're not okay. Um, so for me, it has, I take so much pride in hosting this event. It's a bittersweet feeling, but I just get so excited about it. And 
to have the opportunity to um, tell our community, you know, about my family, about my mom, about, you know, the experience as a whole. Um, and last year, my sister and I collaborated. She uh, actually brought a bunch of her artwork, um, displayed all of the proceeds made. She she donated to Project Purple. Um, I just really make it, lo- enjoy making it a grand event. Um, and our members know how important that it is to me just to have them there um, you know, for me, for my family on that, on that difficult day, um, we, you know, just wrapped up our competition, which we had our hands full and we're kind of feeling like chickens with their heads cut off, but now we're on the straight and narrow. Um, so we are actually hosting uh push pull on Saturday, September 18th. Um, so September is a special month, um, being that that's the month that we lost my mom, um, coming up here two years ago on the third. So, um, I'm just proud. I'm really proud of the event. I'm proud to be a, a, you know, an ambassador for Project Purple and to just spread the word and to provide a system of support, you know, whether someone's lost, a, I mean, whether it's pancreatic cancer or any type of cancer, it's just such a, an experience that is sometimes hard to put into words. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just great. I, I love being a part of it. Well, you know, from all of us here at Project Purple, it's been pretty special uh, on this side to see it all grow. And, you know, I, I have to say as the the CEO and founder, you know, as I said before, it's amazing, you know, to have this interaction at Wadapalooza when you're spent. And again, those people who know, like you're spent mentally, physically, you know, those are long, long days. Mm-hmm. but I've always said there's strength in numbers and that's kind of part of the ethos of what this all has become here at Project Purple. This was never about my story as much as people think that or may think that, you know, with my personal experience, but it's about bringing people together that have been touched by it, you know, to promote, raise awareness, bring positivity, bring a positive thing to someone's life that's going through it or that has gone through it. Because mm-hmm. there's there's truly strength in numbers, and you know that. I mean, you look at the amazing things you've done there with your community, just with the fitness, and to throw this aspect in there. And as you said, it's just so proud to know that you know you're impacting people's lives in a positive way. You know, from a fitness component, from a health and wellness component, but then also from an awareness component that you know maybe someone in your community will be impacted by this disease, and you know they'll 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 have a better you know, opportunity to beat this thing possibly, or they'll be better informed, you know, on what to do. And and that's truly the power and what we're doing here. So it's just awesome. Uh, I I appreciate you, you know, sharing, you know, with the audience, just what that event has meant to you, your family, the community. And it's just awesome to see from a distance, just to see all that happen. um, is just really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about family. I, I know you mentioned, you know, your sister a lot, your dad, um, you've mentioned, you know, how has being involved, I, I mean, the, the, it's tragic, you know, losing your mom and, and the pain and the suffering that's all gone through that and that continues to, you know, go through. But, you know, 
having, and I know your dad's been involved in some things, your sister, you got your sister involved, you recruited her, you brought her over, even though you said, you know, she wasn't really an athlete. She was more the artist than the family, but she gets, (laughs) she gets involved in the push pull events. Uh, I know she donates the art, but I've seen her work out. We've seen pictures. So what does that mean? And I know your dad, I've seen pictures of your dad on social media and, and promoting project purple. What's that mean to you to, to like, have everyone together, you know, to, and, and also your extended family, you know, with your boyfriend and, and the gym and everyone that's kind of rallying for this mission. Yeah. Um, so one thing I'll say is, so my, you know, my, first of all, my mom was always incredibly active. Um, there were, uh, the home that I spent most of my childhood in, I guess, um, there were, uh, there were trails, um, Hoffmaster trails, and they would lead all the way up to Lake Michigan. And before you could get to Lake Michigan, you had to ascend this just huge flight of stairs. And my mom would go up and down those things like five times. And I just remember her passing by someone and they said to her, Oh my gosh, have you made it up there yet? And, you know, of course she didn't say, this is like my fifth time. But, um, so my mom, you know, I remember her, you know, doing the typical, you know, 80s workout videos. And, you know, then she did a lot of running and, you know, walking, hiking. So she always, always was very active. My dad, um, not necessarily, I know I never saw him, you know, lifting weights or anything in that capacity. Um, but he did, um, after my mom's passing, he moved back um, to the Spring Lake area, which is just outside of Grand Haven. And he's actually a member at the gym. Um, you know, and he'll make up his own little workout circuits and, you know, he makes it in there three, four days a week. Um, so taking care of his health has really become a priority for him. And I think that he can kind of now, um, you know, notice and understand how good it does feel to move your body. Um, you know, especially as we age, we all need those, you know, maybe not always high intensity, but to lift weights and to build strong muscles to protect our bones and our joints. Um, so it's been really, um, really proud of him, um, for making his way into the gym because, you know, it goes without saying that he experiences some extremely difficult days. Um, my sister and I are able to relate on the level of losing a mother. Um, but sometimes it's very difficult to fathom how my dad probably feels. My parents, you know, were together since they were teenagers. Um, so life is a lot different for him now. Um, and my sister, she, um, she was, uh, for I think seven years or so, she was part of a CrossFit gym in Grand Rapids, which, um, very sadly, um, did close down, um, I think in the midst or following COVID, but I do know that she has kind of a gym set up at home. Um, and so she continues to work out as well. So I think it's, um, you know, for each of us, you know, exercise and eating a healthy diet is something that's really important to us that we take care of ourselves. Um, you know, just to honor, honor our mom as well. Um, so yeah. So powerful. I I love hearing the story and naturally your sister staying involved, working out through the pandemic, but your dad, you know, just, uh, just getting active and, and realizing, and, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, there's no guarantee, there's no guarantees in life, right? Like, (laughs) but you know, there are some things that you can do, uh, to benefit yourself and to see people go through, 
you know, tragedy, but then, you know, find a positive and, and working out. And you said this a couple of times, you know, just the positives, you said it for you and then, you know, what you've been able to do for the community. And that's something, you know, this is a really weird time, as we've said, you know, last 18, 19 months. But the one thing that we can still do is we can still help ourselves, um, mm-hmm. you know, mentally and physically. Um, just because I know in some places gyms were closed or people feel more comfortable working out from home, you can still work out, you know, you can still, or you can still get to the gym. Gyms are still open. Um, yeah. and you know, you and I were talking about before we hit record, you know, gyms have done a lot to keep their patrons and their community safe, um, during this, if that's a concern. And so like, you know, people, people still have the ability to work out and, and, you know, stay healthy and, and continue to do those things. So it's just awesome to hear that your dad's doing that. Yeah. We've got two more things left here for you, but, um, my last question, and this is always, I always preface this by saying it's a loaded question. There's no right or wrong. Given your experience, Cassie, what is your definition of pancreatic cancer? How do you define it? And there's no right or wrong. So I would say that pancreatic cancer is uh, non-discriminative. Um, like you said, no day is promised. Um, my mom was healthy, active, able-bodied, you know, I can, it's hard for me to understand how she got so sick so quickly. Um, you know, and I guess along those lines, it really feels kind of like a silent killer, um, with the very ambiguous symptoms that people can have, um, you know, and it definitely, like I'd said previously, it's something that has pancreatic cancer has changed who I am as a person and the people that I surround myself with, the things that I value, the things that I put my energy toward. Um, it's really been, um, eye-opening sometimes to what and who really matters. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's really changed, um, my life. It's powerful. Last question for you. If someone heard something on this podcast that they connected with, or maybe there's people in the Western Michigan area that would love to come in to train Grand Haven and work out or to talk to you more about something they heard today. Where's the best place for our audience to connect with you? Yeah. Um, so we do have an Instagram page, which is just train, you know, um, at train Grand Haven. That would be a great place for people to connect. Um, if they want to send us, an email of sorts. Um, our email is tgh.crossfit at gmail.com. Um, and then lastly, I can share my website as well, or our website, which is tghcrossfit.com. Um, and right on the homepage there, they'll have the ability to contact us. Um, you know, some people like to stop in, visit the facility, have a conversation, see if it might be a good fit for them. Um, you know, one thing for anybody that is not familiar with CrossFit to know is that we, we, we don't just throw you to the wolves. We run you through 
you know, foundational classes to teach you the basics of CrossFit so that when you step through the doors for your first class, you have a general understanding, um, you know, of some of the, you know, the structure of class, of the movements that you'll be performing. Um, and we strongly value, you know, safe and proper movement. So that's definitely, you know, part of our mission as a gym is just to help, you know, we're, like I said, we're not, you know, we're not trying to build games athletes. We're trying to create a program that's accessible to all ages and abilities. Um, and also, you know, creating an understanding of the importance of community, because I think that is at the end of the day, that is what I love so very much about our gym is our community. Awesome. Well, Cassie, thank you for being on the project purple podcast and sharing your story and all the great things you're doing. I mean, there in the, in the Grand Haven area in the Western Michigan area to build community, to bring something really positive to something really negative is really special. Mm -hmm. So uh, I hope you, you see that, um, what you're doing. I, I know it's an awful, awful, awful thing to lose a parent, but to turn that negativity into such a positive is really special. And I know your mom is smiling from above watching you and your sister do all these amazing positive things there in the, in the greater Michigan area and the greater Western Michigan area. So thank you for all you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And I really look forward to continuing to uh, be involved with project purple, you know, far into the future. Love it. As we say here, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard today, please feel free to share this episode. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. Yeah.